Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 181. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John. I'm just living the dream one day at a time. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. You didn't do the scripted our DMs are open um, from last week, but that's okay. That's oh, okay. man. Sorry. Our DMs are wide open, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. This is our second episode with uh, Bill Kendall. Is that right? That is right. And in order to jump into part two, you need to know what happened in part one, right? So if you missed part one in episode 180, go back and check that one out. We talk about Bill's early career, his community involvement, how he had a constant desire to advance, and how some very interesting, gritty experiences in customer service shaped what I believe are his character and the remainder of his career in a very good way. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very cool episode to listen to. Uh, I enjoyed listening to it. Episode 181 today, there's a couple things I want to tease and I want people to kind of listen for. One is like two different mentions of joining technical communities and participating in those and in very different contexts, but still, you know, both super valuable. Obviously, Bill's uh, writing, um, not just writing for work, but writing professionally outside of the work environment. And, uh, you know, that I thought was super, super interesting. Man, just it's gotten me, you know, motivated, I think, after that conversation to do a little bit more writing. There you go. A lot of guests have mentioned that. And I'll just go ahead and toss it out, John. This is another episode that touches on that topic of burnout. We're going to talk about how Bill had a conversation that changed the game on that one. And I think Tom Hollingsworth was right in episode 127 that most of us are more burned out than we think we are. Yeah, that's a really good point. Without further ado, let's hear part two of our interview with Bill Kendall. Sometimes it takes a lot, a long time for them to figure out, like, oh, there's actually these things that I need, and and it's a difficult thing to be able to answer. To so, for you to have those answers is pretty impressive. And, and like I said, that was you know around the time when I started really getting into SpiceWorks a lot and uh, answering questions because a lot of the stuff I was doing, I was actually like, I'd already done at this job or in previous jobs, and I was like, well, I can help other people out while I'm just sitting here, you know you know, waiting for something to do. I got time. Why not help somebody? Because, you know, I, I did that stuff when I worked at Goodwill and, you know, I did that stuff at the job I'd left previously. I was just in the habit of helping people and Spiceworks was an outlet for that. So that's where I, I just kind of spent time during the day. It's like, well, if I got, you know, five minutes, five hours, I would sit and answer questions. So it's pretty well gamified too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely game that spice level. <laughs> it's a little bit addictive. I, I know that I definitely got addicted at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I think I cracked so the that. code on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I just answer this these many questions a day, I don't even have to get the you know best answer all the time. But if I just keep this rate up, I can make it. So you know, man's got to have goals. <laughs> People, if you're listening, you may not know in the SpiceWorks community. If you make a post, it's like. 10 points, right? And then you get more points for if someone marks your answer to their post as a helpful post or best answer, and then you can spice up for some extra points. But I think that's super cool that you figured out how many points you needed because the, you know, the pure capsaicin level, that's a big deal. There aren't that many people who have received that title or earned it, I guess you would say, based on point levels, just based on the community contributions they've made so that's that's pretty awesome and i you know and that was a time too i started like really kind of expanding my knowledge i i was learning a lot at the same time i felt like i was giving something back 
you know, I, I, I fed off of it for about three years. I mean, I just was like, man, I, I got so much I want to talk about and so many questions I want to have or, you know, have answered. And, you know, that's just, it's kind of how I filled my day. It was kind of, it was kind of sad leaving that job in a way because, man, I, I'd never had an actual office. Like I felt, I felt like I was at the top of my game. I was like, it can't get any better than this. I got a, I got four walls and a door. <laughs> I've got halfway decent furniture and a nice chair. And I've even got a nice computer. Like, what is this? <laughs> Why am I leaving? But it, you're not in the basement. Yeah. Not in the basement. I, I even had a window. Like that's how nice this office was. It was, it even had a window. There was just other, some li- other life goals that came up that just weren't, weren't in the cards anymore. And, uh, it was, it was awkward leaving there. That's my word of advice to like any, anybody coming into it. If you get approached with an employment contract, be sure you read it. And if you don't like it, ask for addendums. And if they won't offer any, it really comes down to what your ethics are. If you don't feel like you should sign something like that, then that's not the company you want to work. It's a good thing to know about when you're doing a job search, right? It's like the the types of things that you need from an employer. And they might ask you to sign an employment contract and it just has to be like net positive Mm -hmm. and net beneficial for you, right? If it if they say like, hey, you need to give us four weeks notice and also we need to give you four weeks notice, mm-hmm. then then that's that's a little bit of equality. Yep. Right. I guess that's, you know, both parties holding each other to the same standard. And, you know, if they say, listen, like you you wrote something, if you write something and it says that, like, you know, and we don't like it and that means we can fire you without the four weeks notice. Like, but it doesn't say the same thing for you. Like, oh, hey, you know, the. The, the company made a public statement that I disagreed with and now I can just leave without notice. Like, yeah. you know, then, uh, then it's not cutting both ways. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's just less than fair. That's one, one bit of advice I'd give right off the bat. Just make sure you read those employment contracts. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to go under those rules, then don't sign them and go somewhere else. Eventually those companies will change their, their attitude towards, uh, towards folks and look at those root causes as to why they're, either bleeding talent or can't find talent. You mentioned blogging briefly earlier, Bill, but at some point you actually started doing some writing of your own on the side for Adam the Automator, I think? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I, I started dabbling in blogging a little bit before that. It was like back in, well, back in the Goodwill days. Because, you know, everybody was like, oh, man, you got to get a blog. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll dip my toes in that. And I tried to, like a blogger page. I wrote some articles didn't get any traffic i was just like that's a waste of my time fast forward a few years later you know i'm I'm on twitter quite a bit or was not anymore but you know i, I followed a lot of a number of you know technical people and i just had i had a, everybody that was doing powershell i think i had on my list because you know i was pretty hot in the powershell i was like man I, everything i did at my last job you know i was doing with powershell and i managed my servers day in and day out with powershell commands it was great loved it one day, I forget exactly how it happened, but I think I, I came across a, a Twitter post that Adam had put out. He's like, hey, I'm starting like a new adventure, you know, doing doing this uh, little thing called uh, tech snips. If you have a passion to teach people, you know, and want to do some video recording and some technical training, hit me up. And I happened to see that and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'd like to do that because I like to teach people. So I sent him a DM and we started a conversation and I introduced myself and... Next thing you know, I was making tech snip videos, doing voiceovers. I, if you search on the internet, you might find a packed publishing like video series on server 2019. I did the video intro for that. Uh, well, the voiceover intro, not the video, but the voiceover intro. I was I was contracted to do the introductions to I think three other folks that were all tech snippers that got contracted to do this uh, course for packed. And I basically just read their bios and gave brief introductions like, okay, and here's, here's so-and-so. Okay. That section's done. Here's so-and-so. And just did that. And, um, I actually got some feedback, which again, I don't know how much of this is like actually true or not, if they really felt this way, but I was told that like, I had a pretty good, I guess, voice recording for that. And they, they said, Hey, if you want to do other stuff, maybe, you know, we can hit you up. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's some good feedback. That was, was that. Did that make you feel good or bad? They were like, listen, when it comes to producing technical content, we really love your voiceover voice. I didn't really take it as an insult at all. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I 
you know, I didn't have to do any of the major work for it anyways. Uh, you know, it was just introducing those, those folks. Um, but I did a few other courses, um, which I think you could still find out there on their, on their, uh, their site, but they were all tech step branded courses. Like I did, you know, a couple of rough cuts where basically it was like no audio editing. <laughs> it was just me and a microphone and showing you how to do a simple task. But I did a few of those. No, I, I've seen some of those. Okay. I was just poking fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> those, those actually took a lot of like prep. Like I, I went through and I went so far as to like, I wrote everything down on a note card that I was going to say, like I didn't riff any of it. And that's kind of a, I don't like to do it that way. You know, even with writing blog posts, I don't like to like pre-plan a bunch of stuff, call it laziness. But when I, when I'm teaching somebody, I'm teaching them just basically off my experience and my experience alone. I'm not teaching them. I'm not reading them the instruction manual. You know, if, if I yeah. got something to say like, hey, you know, yeah, it says to do it this way, but there's a cool little trick you can do to save like, you know, a couple of seconds if you do it this way. You know, like here's a shortcut key. I'll, I'll go down like a tangent on that and teach you that. I don't, I don't, I don't read like a Microsoft Docs article like, okay, step one, do this, do that. I, I just, I have a problem with those, those types of like scenarios. So when I'm talking like I am now, I'm probably starting to like sound like I'm droning on and on, but. I'm conversational. This is how I am every day. So if you can't, if you can't, you know, accept that, well, <laughs> oh, well. well, everybody needs their own style, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, I come from. It's, it's, it's my, my style. I, I view it as conversational and sometimes I might drone on and sometimes I might not. It just depends on what the subject matter is. I think there's probably value and I don't know if it's something you want to do professionally, then I think it probably makes sense to, take some like vocal coaching and you know if if that is in fact the direction you want to go in you want to be you know maybe not to the point of sounding like a morning radio dj but you know it's like the the skills of you know doing an emphasis and then doing you know shifting your speed of how quickly you're talking or slowing down to emphasize something you know like all that stuff i'm sure there's just a whole host of skills for that, just like there are technical skills for, you know, compute and networking and virtualization and database like optimization. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's technical skills that one needs to learn. Yeah. But uh, for us amateurs, yeah, maybe it even makes sense for us amateurs. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say that like my time doing that, I learned a lot. Like just, you know, what goes in the video editing process, what goes into, you know, content editing, how to record your screen, like little, just little things, you know, and I, I owe a lot of that to, you know, the experience that Adam brought to the table. You know, he, he and I had, you know, quite a few conversations with not just like, you know, us, just the two of us. It was more like, you know, kind of a general conversation, but I did ask him like quite a bit of questions about things early on. And that went on for a little bit. And then he kind of spun that off and he started another venture and it was the Adam, the automator blog and, and friends. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not really feeling like I'm really that great at doing the, all this video content creation. I, I have more time to blog, you know, I've got little, like little kids now and no quiet time. So it's hard to record when you don't have a quiet room. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend the money to like put foam panels all over my office and do all this other stuff to like sound, deaden sound. And it just, I was like, this is just too much. I'm just going to write. And he's like, well, we got this, you know, over here. Yeah. You can come be a blogger. So I was one of the like very first few bloggers that were on that site. And I started pumping out, you know, one or two articles a month for quite a while, actually up until about December this past year, just got to the point where, you know, it was, it was starting to get time consuming. And that's again, Going back to, I I don't like to script things a whole lot, especially when it comes to like my writing style. Like if I've got a topic I'm going to talk about, I'm going to hit the points that I think are important and put in there. I'm not going to go like down rabbit holes into like little details about stuff because I'm going to say, well, if you really want to go learn all the other switches for this command, here's a link to the docs. And it was a philosophical thing for me. And maybe it's because I'm older now and longer in my career. I'm like, you know, if, if someone really is like here to learn something, they're going to be like, oh, a link. Cool. I'm going to go look at that and learn between editing and getting content approved. And it just, it was like, okay, what I want to write about is what I want to write about. Yeah. I like getting paid for the paid content, but it's getting harder and harder for me to write. 
So I, I've got other other goals in mind that I got to get done this coming year. So I was like, I need to I need to step back from that for a bit, and that's what I did. But I still have my own like little personal blog. I took the plunge and started a Substack. It's free. I'm not going to charge anybody for it because I don't think my content's worth paying for it anyways. But it gives me an outlet to to write how I want to write. You know, I might have a random thing up there about technical knowledge. I might have something up there in like a week or two about how to make char cloth. You know, if you want to learn bushcrafting skills, that's something I just recently learned. So, yeah, I think I might make a blog post on that. So you heard it here first on Nerd Journey. I'm going to make a blog post about how to make char cloth and how to start fire with ferro rods. So now we just need the link to the Substack to put in the show notes so everybody can subscribe. Yeah, I just got to write it first. <laughs> so I learned that I I enjoy writing by doing that role with uh, with Adam. I ventured off. I even did a uh, an article, a one-time article for, for SysOps, which was pretty cool because um, that's another site that I've been going to for years. And I was like, I was super stoked to actually have a, an article posted up there, which if you want to see the style of writing that I really enjoy, go look that post up. It's um, I did like a tutorial on how to do, how to, how to basically ma- move between directories, like up and down a directory structure using PowerShell commandlets. And I equated it to Legos. It was a literal shower thought that came up with that article. And I was so excited to use that analogy with Lego blocks because I just got done playing with my son earlier that day with with these, uh, you know, Duplo blocks. And I was just sitting there snapping them together. And I was like, it just hit me. I was like, I got to write about this. I pounded that article out in like a day and gave it to four sysops. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll publish it. I don't even know if it went through any editing. It just, it made its way up there, but that whole like time frame kind of came on the back back end of uh, going through another one of Don Jones's uh, like writing sessions where he was teaching some techniques and stuff. And he's like, you know, you basically tell a story. And I was like, I love to tell stories when I'm teaching people. So I, I employed a few techniques in that article. So if you, if you find it on four sysops, you might pick up on that style a little bit, but that, that by far was one of the most enjoyable articles I've ever written. And I, I would like to make make more like that. It's just I haven't had, I haven't had that level of inspiration yet for anything else. So, but maybe the char cloth one might be that. That's so cool. You know, I think a lot of people maybe want to try writing something. Do you have any advice for people in terms of how do they decide what to write about? Sounds like you already know what you want to write about, but in the beginning, how did you decide? I, at first it was kind of like twofold. Like I, I love talking about and using PowerShell. So I was like, that's the obvious choice for me write about PowerShell. I also like, you know, talking about Linux. Not a lot of people realize that I, I love Linux. Like it's the only uh, operating system that I've ever gotten certified on too. The only, I've never taken like a, a Microsoft server exam and passed one. Linux I have. And there's a reason it's because I, I really like Linux. You know, I, I would say recommending, if, if you wanted to get started with it, just write something. It doesn't have to be, like, super in-depth. It's just a matter of, like, getting content out there. So if there's something that's small that you might have done, like, say if you're, you know, just a tier one help desk person, you know, and you come across, like, an easy way to reset somebody's password for them, or you want to talk about, like, hey, this is how you should approach the situation, you know, that don't don't think that that information is not valuable to somebody. You're sharing your experience, don't worry about other people's experience, you know, and that, that's, that was the one big hurdle for me, you know, getting started was that I had it in my mind that I didn't have anything to share. And, you know, you would have thought that that would have been different because, you know, I shared so much on, on Spiceworks, but I never, I never did it for like monetary reasons. And I never, I never did it just like to, to just do it for like recreation. So when I started, you know, blogging for the ATA blog, I kind of came out of that shell quite a bit. Like I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm getting paid for these articles, but I'm enjoying it at the same time. I do. I do like this. You just got to keep the repetition up. You just got to find something to write about and just do it. You don't have to necessarily put it on, you know, the web, but I, I keep a, um, like an eight, like an A5 size dot journal, right? I'm sure you guys have probably heard people talk about these dot journals. They're like all the rage. I, I like dot journals because, you know, you can make them what you want. So if you want to draw, you know, some kind of grid on it, to list out a to-do list, you can do that. You get a really um, good a good feeling when you are physically writing on paper. I found that to be therapeutic to myself because, you know, I type all day long. 
Sometimes I just don't want to stare at a screen, but I might have something stuck in my head. I just got to get it out. So I'll, I'll open up my little dot journal. I write an entry in there and it might be an idea for a blog post. It might be, you know, something I did for the day. It might be something that my kids did, you know, and I just wanted to write, write it down. Like, you know, Hey, they like today, my son got his orange stripe belt in karate. So he graduated from his yellow stripe belt with all of his little, uh, you know, different color duct tape stripes on it. So he was all excited about that. So, you know, I'd, I might write something down about that be like, you know, I was really proud of my son today. He, he did good and he listened and he's, you know, getting really good at his balance and his kicks and, you know, just, just listening, you know, getting that discipline in almost five years old, something like that. But I heard someone once say too that, you know, like in terms of like, you know, write, if you're writing a book, you know, don't, don't write the book for someone else, write the book for you, get, get your knowledge out there and then, and then let it just let it be. It's out there in the ether, you know, somebody will come across it. If it just helps one person, you succeeded. I, I recently told uh, um, someone that I'm kind of starting to mentor who's wanting to get started in IT about, you know, how to, how to build a portfolio. And I was like, you know, you know, they kept asking me about, you know, how do I get experience? And I, you know, I remember back when I first started, you know, getting experience was hard. Like you, you had to go on job searches. You had to do a whole bunch of like, to, at least for my experience, it felt like, you know, almost begging for jobs at, at some point, you know, cause you were like, look, I've got these skills. I really want to do this work, you know, please hire me. But, you know, time and time again, you know, you get places that come back and say, well, you just don't have any experience. I'm like, well, what do you mean I don't have any experience? I got a degree, you know, being told that your whole life that you have to have a degree to get a job. As time has gone on, I've, I've kind of become disillusioned with that a little bit. Back to the person I'm mentoring, you know, he's asking me, like, well, how do I get experience? I'm like, well, you know, a good way to do that is just start showing value. And he asked me, he's like, well, how's that? I said, go out, start a GitHub account, put some code up. I was like, even if it's just something you're learning in Python or PowerShell, just put some code up, start your GitHub account. He's like, okay. He's like, well, I could do a little bit of that. You know, he's like, I like doing game programming. I'm like, perfect. I was like, put some of your game code up there. I was like, and you know what? I said, take it a step further. I said, go find yourself a blog account, either like WordPress or a free account somewhere or, you know, Substack or something or make GitHub pages. I was like, I don't care what it is. It's like, start writing about it. Even if it's a one paragraph, like, Hey, you know, I found this really cool chunk of Python code that, you know, can go through and audit 10 user accounts for a security audit. Here's the code. I was like, that's all you need. Just put it there. I was like, cause you know, somebody's going to eventually going to come across and be like, Oh, that's just the code I needed. It's better than what's on, you know, stack exchange. <laughs> so, uh, and, and they don't make me feel bad for asking this question there. So they, they find that. And the next thing you know, they, they share that with somebody else and, you know, people start coming back to your content and they're looking at it and like, Oh, okay. You know, let's see what Bill's got to say this month or, you know, whoever's got to say, you know, with their new blog post, they may like it. They may not. They might just click the link, look at it real, like five seconds and go away. Like I keep trying to tell myself is like, I'm not writing for clicks. I'm just writing because I like to share information. So you get, if you can get something out of it, great. If you don't get anything out of it, well, eh, no hurt feelings on my end, but somebody somewhere is going to get value on it. You know, there, there's somebody out there that's, you know, at a, a point in their career or trying to bust into this career that just needs to hear other experiences. And you know, it's kind of like what you guys do with the podcast. It's you, get, you just get people on, you talk about experiences. And that's what you do in blogging. You talk about experiences. That's a great, great like analogy. That. You mentioned there, you know, a little bit about security. And I know that's a little bit more what you're focused on now. Can you tell us about that change? I, I went to work for the, the, the multinational identity company. They're like the number one in fingerprint scanning and, and retinal scanning equipment. They have contracts with the TSA. But anyways, they, uh, you know, that, that job um, kind of got me more like back interested back in doing security uh, because of the nature of the company. You know, that's what they, they did. I dabbled in security a little bit back and forth um, throughout the years, um, mostly just in, in areas where I, I needed to skill up a little bit on. But it never became like, you know, the, the first and foremost thing that I was doing every day. But here, the, the role that I was put in, um, I was basically a weekend backup sysadmin. So it's really, really sweet spot of a job. I got to work from home Saturday, Sunday. I could go into the office on Friday if I wanted to. Really only ever needed to be there Monday because it was basically a cleanup day for me at the end of the week. So I was always in the office on Monday mostly. Sometimes I would swap and I'd do a Friday got introduced to the change control board process at this job and I'll just leave it at that. 
There, there's some well, there's some broken there's some broken change control processes across all companies like <laughs> change control processes that don't seem to make any sense are always a reaction in my experience yeah. to something that went wrong yeah. at some point in time but the the process isn't there's no like it's not like code where somebody put a comment in right and said hey on this date this thing went wrong and as a result we're making this addition to the change control process so you don't know why. And in honestly, all the people who put that process in might be gone. So nobody yeah. knows why anymore. Yeah. Right. And then it just becomes an institutional thing that everybody's afraid to change. Yeah. It's fascinating. And it, it like, I'm certainly not a, everything should be code and there should be like a, you know, change management or like, you know, Hey, the, you know, why don't we have our change control process like documented on, on, in Git, you know, so that like, we know why we made this change, but, Maybe we should. <laughs> so in this in this role, like initially, I was going to be like a, a knock manager. They didn't really have one, but again, it was one of those like in name only kind of thing. And eventually, as time went on, it was more apparent that I was just like literally just a systems administrator. But I had like a very special set of skills and, and requirements in my job that like basically made me like I I had my hands in a lot of lot of areas. But I had I had to be able to like step in and be a backup to like senior engineers, senior admins at you know a moment's notice on weekends. So it was like I was the first point of escalation and hopefully the only point of escalation. Again, another job I was drinking from the fire hose on. But a lot of my work that I was doing, like I was in charge of patching, so I was always doing like Windows updates on weekends. That's that's why my job was on the weekends for five years. So I, you know, I went through and I would, I would schedule out all my work for the month, usually have that all done in like a day or two. And then it was a lot of sitting around and wait. I'd try to do what I could here and there to help people out, you know, on, on the days I, you know, I wasn't doing those OS updates, but um, it became apparent real quick. It's like, well, I, I probably can script a lot of my job. And I did. I, I sat down one afternoon after I had a firm grasp on the uh, written policies and procedures for a couple of different uh, sites I was in charge of. And I was like, these are all pretty much exactly the same. And I was like, I'm going to open up VS code and I'm going to make PowerShell scripts. So I started like taking each individual task out chunk by chunk, coming up with just one line of code that would do that task. Then when I knew that they would all work after I manually ran them a few months in a row, I was like, okay, Go take us up a notch. I'm going to make this in one script and run it. See what happens. Did test run on one script. The whole script ran. Everything was fine. You know, I, I did everything from starting in, or stopping services to applying OS updates to starting up services and then doing like real rudimentary system checks. And this was before I learned how to use Pester. Going back, I have Adam Bertram to thank for making some really great Pester material early on. That's how I learned Pester, reading his stuff, reading his book. So... Just plugging that out there. Um, the Pester book, definitely get, add that to your uh, uh, bookshelf. Some of it might be dated now, but a lot of the basics I don't think have changed in the newer releases. Still, really good tool. You know, I got so I had a working script, and I'm like, I'm going to kick this up a notch because I got people asking me. They're like, "Well, how are you going to verify everything?" It's like, okay, well, here's a Pester script that here's a screenshot of everything that I test for. It's showing that everything passed what more do you want? And they're like, oh, well, we need pretty charts and graphs. Well, I ended up, I, I forget the exact way I did it now. I'd have to go back and look at some like old GitHub repos because I, I did keep some of these scripts as uh, like reference with all the all the other stuff stripped out, but just kind of like the skeleton of like the basic flow of what, what would occur. I basically took my pester results and turned them into an HTML report. And I figured out a way to email those to me. I, I would you know, start my morning, uh, for a couple of, uh, larger States, you know, their, their maintenance window would kick off and my script would run and I would sit and wait for the uh, report to come in telling me that everything was working, what OS updates got applied, the status of reboots, all kinds of little things, uh, while I sat and drank coffee on Saturdays and Sundays <laughs> in the early morning hours. And then when those came through and were done, I would go back through and do my due diligence and, you know, just spot check stuff, you know, manually, just to make sure my reports weren't lying to me, which it early on in the development process, a couple of them did, but I quickly found out why, you know, starting a, a routine before you start another one, 
you might want to build a pause in there. So you, you know, you learn how to use the uh, start sleep options a little bit because sometimes services don't start up super fast on really old servers. So you got to get, you got to build a little bit of buffer in there. So I did that on a number of scripts. Um, but yeah, I did that. And, uh, man, I ran, I ran like that for years and it ran flawlessly. I, my last uh, couple iterations of it, I kind of fine tuned them like about a year, year and a half before I, I left and I couldn't, I couldn't make them any better. They were all, they were running. I got them to the point where I literally could take a script that I, I used for one customer. I could copy it and then just do a find replace through the whole script. Like, okay, you know, here's the server names. Here's the, you know, here's the location where the, uh, the KB articles are going to be listed in a text file. That's where it's going to ingest it from. It's in this directory, that kind of stuff. So I, I had it down to where basically I would go out and I would do my testing with OS updates on a, in a test lab. I'd, you know, kind of validate the updates we were going to de- deploy. And I would just open up Notepad on my system. I would type out the KB uh, numbers for all the updates for different OSs in a text file. And then I would just upload that text file to predetermined directory and script would just run in just that auto approve and force deploy through WSUS. And it just, it was, it was a work of art kind of talk about it in one of um, if anybody's ever bought the PowerShell conference book series. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but I think the uh, first uh, first time I was ever published in a book was actually that process that I just described. So I was pretty, I was pretty happy with that whole thing. And, and to this day, it's like the largest scripting project I've ever done that had the most impact on anything I was doing on a daily basis. And you hear people often joke about like, Hey, just script yourself out of a job. Well, I scripted myself <laughs> and uh, still, you know, managed to stay in that job for a while. But I had so much time to do other stuff, like go get my bachelor's degree. So, which uh, was a nice perk from that that job. Yeah, they they paid 100% for my my bachelor's degree with uh, Western Governors, which I'm very proud of. Because um, uh, now now people can't tell me, well, we can't hire you because you don't you don't meet the education requirement. Because I got told that an awful lot during, you know, early on in my career that, well, you got an associate's degree, but that's not good. You need to have a bachelor's now. And I'm like a bachelor's degree for tier one help desk. Come on. You serious? Again, that, that job, it, it, after a while, it started getting boring. I, I started having, I guess, some career crisis moments. And this is where it's going to get deep. I was having like a lot of second thoughts about IT in general. Like I, I started to burn out. So I know you guys have done a lot of episodes on on IT burnout, and I, it's real. It does happen, and it happened to me. Kind of around the time before I'd, I'd started like doing my bachelor's degree stuff, I was just having just it was just a really down and out period. Like I, I couldn't, I wasn't feeling like I was able to move up anywhere. Like I was like I was basically begging at one point. I was like, you know, hey, I've got all this stuff scripted. I'd really like to get off just doing uh, Windows updates because there's so much more I can do. Like, can I kind of try out for this other position, you know, you guys got open and it just, you know, there was just excuse after excuse, like, you know, don't get, don't get hung up on job titles. Well, we've already got that role filled. Just a lot of just stuff, you know, it just, it just started wearing on me. Cause I was like, man, I just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't feel right. And I just was getting bummed out. There was some other stuff that was going on that, you know, started making the job more stressful than what it really needed to be. And I felt like my quality, like, my work quality just wasn't there. Like I was like, I, you know, I'm doing things, I'm getting things done. I don't feel like I'm, I'm able to do my best work and I don't feel like my work matters. No, I've said that before, you know, it's kind of a telltale sign, but this time it was really bad. I went to VMUG in Indianapolis, which is man, probably the best VMUG I've ever been to. I love, I love VMUG Indianapolis. That's supposed to be a really good one. So can we, can we de-acronym that? What's what is a VMUG? As if I don't know. VMware User Group. Oh. Indianapolis or VMUG Indy. So, but yeah, the, the best, uh, the best one I've ever been to is the, the convention that they had down there. Uh, I know it's, it's kind of starting to get a little bit smaller than what it used to be, but it just, man, just such a wealth of knowledge out of that place. I loved going there. It was like, every time I went there, it was like, I come back and I was like, man, I'm going to just crush all this stuff. I met some people. They rejuvenated me, Let you know, let's, let's go get it. You know, I went down there one year, felt really good, you know, had a really good time. Well, then that's when the the whole thing started happening with all this stuff that I'm talking about now with the burnout and everything. I forget what year it was now, but I met a a couple of folks there that had a session. Um, John and uh, Kat Troyer ring a bell. 
Oh yeah. Okay. I actually, <laughs> yes. I got to talk to both of those folks, um, in person Great people like, um, oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, I credit them with what I'm about to say next. So I was in a terrible funk and I went to one of their sessions down there. It was you know, like, you know, career building. They'd offered to like, you know, Hey, you know, we're available after this session. You know, if you need one, like you want to talk one-on-one or whatever. And I, I took them up on it and I ended up having a conversation that man must've been probably as long as this podcast that, was just on just some career hurdles I was, I was having struggles with the most profound thing that they said to me was, you know, after I was telling them about just, just kind of griping about everything that was going wrong and what I felt was wrong. And I, I didn't know what I was doing wrong as a, as a professional about it. They, they, you know, kind of both told me, they're like, it's not your fault. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, it's not your fault that they're not utilizing your skills. And it just like blasted me. Like, like, someone just walked up to me and just punched me right in the face. And it was like this aha moment of it's not me. It really is them. Like they, they don't utilize my skills. It's not my problem now. And I, and I felt like this huge relief. Like I remember coming back from there, just feeling just relieved. And it was like this just giant weight lifted off my chest that, you know, it's not, it's not your fault that they don't utilize your skill. And I, I kept saying that like back in, in my mind, like just replaying it over and over, you know, some other conversations we had there too. They're like, you know, maybe you just need to find other outlets. Those other outlets were, were at, you know, the ATA blog stuff came in and tech snips came in. That's actually, it wasn't very long after that when I started those endeavors uh, was after having that conversation with them. So career inflection point happened at a VMUG in Indianapolis with uh, those two folks in a conversation out in the hall, made those connections. And it sounds like you found that using those other outlets brought you renewed energy and less feeling of being drained maybe precisely i mean it was it was therapeutic i can't express that enough like it really was like that i i found a renewed like sense of purpose i felt like you know i was learning again i felt like i did when i first got into it like i was like eager to learn eager to share and didn't really care <laughs> if my day job wasn't utilizing all my skills. Cause I was like, you know what? I have so much more to offer. And if they don't want to utilize it, I'll find somebody that will. And that's what I did. I, you know, I found other outlets, uh, you know, Adam, uh, Adam Bertram gave me, you know, plenty of opportunities to enhance skills that I never thought I would have. I had, uh, just a lot of other, just a lot of opportunities start to open up at that point. Like I, I started getting more involved in, um, writing, I did trim back my, my time on Spiceworks just because, you know, just time constraints with, you know, kids and, and this job. And it just became, you know, I just less and less frequent. I wasn't really getting as much out of the community as I, as I used to, but I was, fi- I was finding other communities to kind of go through and, and gather information from some of them less fruitful than others. That's what I should say. I just got what I needed out, out of uh, the different areas and, you know, got out of that funk, but I, I seriously think if that, that conversation wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't be in IT anymore. I probably would have moved on to something else um, just because the stress level was just, it was it was starting to become where, you know, I felt like there was some toxicity going on. Um, it wasn't it wasn't me, but it was like the kinds of situation that I, I couldn't find a good way out of. You know, I would try and I just kept getting, just finding roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And it was just getting, it was getting tiring. But, you know, like, like I said, um, I, with that renewed interest, I went, got, you know, got my bachelor's degree finished up, got a few new certifications and, um, you know, made a plan. I was like, I, I'm going to give this, you know, a little bit more time. I gave it two more years. Things didn't change. And I unfortunately said, you know, I got, I'm going somewhere else. And that somewhere else uh, turned out to be an opportunity that I only found again, one of the communities I joined uh, locally, I decided to join a local VMUG in a, Fort Wayne, Indiana. So go, go Fort Wayne V mug. We're awesome. Come join us. The group there, I, I kind of, I, I found, I found purpose again with, with that group started to, you know, talk to a few people, found out that, you know, one of the V mug leaders actually lives not too far from me, which was really cool. Cause you know, we, we chat, we bowl together, you know, got kids that are about the same age. So, you know, again, making connections and, and getting, you know, new friends was, you know, very good. They talked me into doing some presentations and, another outlet for doing that kind of work. And I, I enjoyed it. I've, I've done, I think three presentations for them. I'm looking to do another one here soon. 
I think there's a misconception out there that, you know, V mugs are, they only talk about V mug products and that's it. Oh no. We, we talk about everything. Like we, <laughs> we did yep. something, we did something tricky uh, with our last meetup that we had where um, one of the uh, members demonstrated a, uh, a method of using like uh, I'm drawing a blank on the Terraform product now, but uh, used it to basically create golden images that were deployed to Azure. Packer, maybe. Packer, yeah. Packer. That's what it was. So he was using Packer and uh, some VMware stuff to make a golden image to ship to Azure. It was so cool. <laughs> so it was like, there's a little bit of VMware in there, but not a whole lot. You know, little things like that. And I mean, I've, I've done presentations on PowerShell. Here, here's how you use PowerShell. I did one on Zabbix once. Um, how, to, how to stand up Zabbix <laughs> monitoring on a shoestring budget of $0. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun little presentation. Like I said, that kind of I, I kind of found a renewed purpose um, in my career just by getting out there and trying to share more. It also sounds like an intermediate step that you took was to construct your like working day or or whole week to piece together the things that you needed. Oh, yeah. So you needed money to pay the bills. You needed medical insurance. Because that's always nice to have, but you also needed a purpose, and you needed inspiration and creativity, and you couldn't find that all in one position. So you pieced together your job and some extracurricular stuff to bring all those things together to make your day or week or month like kind of balance out, yeah, uh, and fill all those needs. Yeah, I even I even went so far as to I I learned Kanban during during this whole time. So that's another tip of advice like if you can learn kanban that will change your life along with uh thomas limoncelli's uh time management for sysadmins so if you, you combine those two uh resources you are already well on your way to having better time management and better organizational skills than probably like 80 percent of your peers so nice i i absolutely love kanban method it's so simple and it's visual like you can actually see progress on stuff and that was another thing that was key to getting me out of that slump was implementing that because I needed to visualize all the work I was doing. And once I did that, I was like, you know what? I am doing, I am doing a lot of work. You know, at one point I, I counted uh, up like how many maintenance cycles I was doing. I was doing 30 maintenance cycles a month. You consider how many of those I'm doing on weekends. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm touching hundreds of servers per environment and I'm doing it all with PowerShell. But I have, but I have it up on a Kanban board that I'm maintaining for myself. And I see, like, I see the progress. I'm like, yeah, I'm pounding this stuff out. It's interesting you mentioned that because uh, one of the things they tell you to do with kids who have anxiety, uh, I've heard in a book called Why Smart Kids Worry, is help them see their wins, their progress, how far they've come because they can't yeah. do it. And it's that yeah. act of seeing how far you've come that helps you deal with where you need to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to, you know, visualize your wins just visualize it and Kanban's one of those, those easy ways. Like you can do it with a simple stack of yellow post-it notes, just stick them on your wall. Just make sure they're kind of in a straight row, you know, cause if you're a little OCD like me, you things got to be organized, you know, at least straight and level, get out, a, get out a, you know, a yardstick and use it to line everything up. But, you know, just put them somewhere, you know, write little notes on like, you know, I've got this coming up on this date. And when it gets done, you move it to the right. Or to the left, however you want to set your Kanban board up. But it's simplicity. And yeah, it's just like little things. Like like you said, John, you got sometimes you gotta make your own make your own luck. Make your own uh your own jobs. And that's what I, I started doing. I just started I, I kinda made my own task, got my own routine squared away and you know, turned it around. I, I made it bearable for me to stick it uh, stick with that job, you know, to try to give it a little bit more time to, you know, correct because there was a lot of things going on with that company at the time. They, when I first started, they were, they had just been acquired. It was like their third merger. I got back to just, you know, concentrating on, on me. I, I came up with my own time management. Like I got really good at time management. I got really good at keeping track of my jobs that I was doing, uh, stuff I was completing. You know, I was writing. So if I came up with something that, you know, sparked some interest, I would spend my evenings. I'd, I'd write about it. I started volunteering with, uh, helping out with editing and, uh, you know, contributing to some of the, the PowerShell conference books that are uh, out there. I, I've got I've got my name, I think, on the second one and the third one. 
and then I'm I'm helping out a couple of folks right now on editing um, another one that's actually more geared towards like an academic kind of setting. I'm kind of a part-time technical editor on that, but name's going to be on that book too, which is kind of cool. I, I would have never thought back in 2017 after talking to uh, Kate and John that uh, I'd have my name on a PowerShell book. Truly blessed. That's all I can say. They have right people at the right time to talk through a, a difficult situation. So I think that advice that they gave you is so foundational, right? It's when you keep getting blocked, sometimes we internalize that, oh, right? Yeah. We say, oh, like I'm not progressing here. And the reason must be because it's me, mm-hmm. because I'm not good enough or, you know, it's something that I'm doing. And that's one of like an infinite possibility you know, spectrum of possibilities about why you're not progressing. You know, it's certainly possible, but it, there's, it. you know, it isn't necessarily your fault. Right. right. And I mean, you, and you hear like stories of like bad management all the time and, and just, just general manager hijinks. Like they'll say things like, well, it's, it's just really hard to backfill your position, which red flag, anybody, some, somebody tells you it's really hard to backfill your position. Don't buy that for a minute. If it's so hard to backfill, it must be more valuable. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But some some people will try to play that into like, well, you know, you, you can, man, just do us a favor. You know, we're, you know, we're not able to pay that. And it's like, no, no. If if I'm either valuable or I'm not, you know, it, it's one or the other. And it actually doesn't need to be malicious, right? It could literally be the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, but it might be. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it was malicious. I just don't think they're, it almost doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter because we can speculate Mm -hmm. and, and it, you know, honestly, it just didn't happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's either their loss or they, they literally didn't care and it didn't affect them. Hey Bill, um, before we wrap up here, can we talk a little bit about the security role and, and that kind of part of the the industry and and your career, how you've uh, drifted in that direction and how that happened. definitely identify with the burnout story john go back to episode 179 if you want to hear more about me but this one's about bill i'm fascinated by the dialing up back down and back up again of the writing volume that that one was really interesting yeah yeah that was really cool his ability to recognize what it was you know that he needed actually goes back to what i said you know in the last episode which was you know, the ability to have that self-awareness to understand what it is that you need, understand what you're missing and the ability to bridge that gap. And sometimes what you need is less of something in your life. You know, one of the things that you've been working on. So the ability to like put that on the back burner, you know, dial it down, like you said, you know, put less effort, less focus on something, you know, because of what your immediate needs are, but in the medium to long term, know that you're going to come back to it and then actually following through on that. Very, very cool. I, I think it's just, Maybe part of, you know, something else that I noticed that Bill seems to be pretty good at, which is, you know, identifying those needs that he has, professional, personal combination, whatever, and then engineering what it is that he needs, even if that transcends what his day job is. If it includes, you know, writing, then he adds that or finds or stumbles upon some of that stuff, you know, outside and adds it in right? He's taking advantage of the opportunities that are out there. So I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. Sometimes the extra effort to do creative endeavors and side hobbies can really ignite you. And other times it can really stress you out. It may, it reminds me of Jonathan Frappier episode 132, running the burnout wave. And he had to peel things back layer by layer. And then he, he yeah. was, he was talking about scrum and it's interesting that Bill went and learned Kanban. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was fascinating. I I think one of the things that really got me thinking was, 
his desire and like fulfillment to be involved in storytelling and teaching like that, that kind of resonated with me. And, you know, it always helps when you see somebody who has, you know, something that is similar to you and like, or like, oh yeah, that resonates with me. Or that reminds me of something, you know, that is, you know, part of what helps me. So hopefully, you know, other people are getting that feeling, you know, while we help people tell these various stories where, you know, we're holding a bunch of people up to the, uh, to the limelight. And then maybe you can see yourself in some of their stories. Yeah. We've probably heard it said and maybe didn't really take it to heart, or maybe we've even said it ourselves. If you've helped one person with your contribution, whether it be a podcast, a blog post, you have succeeded. And I don't think it is easy to take that as success in our, we'll just say, social media metric-driven world. Yeah, it's very true. I think one of the things that is helpful is sometimes to think about the long tail of our contributions, right? So, you know, it's even something that Bill said, right? You don't worry if, you know, the audience, if you think the audience is too small for this thing that you're writing or this, you know, advice that you're giving in the moment, you know, or that your experience is invaluable. If you share that with somebody, if you share it with the world, you know, people will discover that over time and you can actually have like a larger impact and then then you might think and that single impact might come you know years later and you might not even ever hear about it but the ability to like accept that you might not even get that positive feedback is you know that's a really difficult one very very difficult yeah cuz we each want this validation that we're doing the right thing and that it is helpful right right almost like imposter syndrome yeah, yeah. Am I actually good enough? Am I actually helping anybody? You know, am I having, you know, a positive effect on 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 the things that I'm that I'm trying to push on? It's 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 a really tough one. It's like, you know, am I shouting into the wind or am I like, you know, pushing forward and and actually helping people, you know? Like that it's it's tough, but I think we're probably extending like what he's saying, like, you know, to the extreme degree. But like, I think that his, you know, definition of success and, you know, if you extend it out and go, well, you might not even know that you have succeeded, but you just have to trust like that. That's pretty powerful. Well, it's interesting because this is in alignment with chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron. And we was talking about training CrossFit athletes. He talks about if you want to do amazing, really hard things, you actually need to lower your expectations instead of raising them mm. and define success in something you can actually achieve. Right. Anyway. Well, I mean, that reminds me of like, you know, some of the ultra marathon stories. It's like, well, can I run not 30 more miles, but can I run for 30 more seconds? And then 30 more seconds after that and 30 more seconds after mm -hmm. that. Lots of parallels there. Really cool. Nick, I think that's it for that part of our conversation. I think that we actually have a third. Can we squeeze a third episode out of this? The trilogy will continue. Don't miss the exciting conclusion to the Bill Kendall trilogy coming at you next week. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right, farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at VJourneyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios. <laughs>